You're listening to Pastor Jesse Miller of City Lights Church. So once again, we're kind of put in this position here in Mark chapter 12 where there's another question for Jesus. That's, that's pretty tricky. Have you ever been asked a trick question um, Christmas time? Like, like, you know the right thing to say, but it's not really the truth, so you're kind of trying to figure out the best answer for the situation. Like, do you like this gift? And it's like a pair of, like, ugly socks or something weird, you know? It's like a trick question, or, like, when my father-in-law does this to me all the time, he'll ask me, like, if I like my wife's cooking or if I like his wife's cooking sometimes. Like, like, what, what, did you really like that? And I'm sitting there beside both of them, like, oh, it was delicious. I loved it. Well, whose was better? They're both good. They're both amazing. They should start their own restaurants. It's awesome. Like, trick questions where you're kind of in this middle position that no answer is a good answer. Like, if my mom would ask me, you know, well, let's just, if I asked my mom, does she love me more than my sister? That, that would be a bad question for her. I already know the answer, but it would be a bad question for her. Like, that's what's happening to Jesus here. They're trying to, like, get him caught in this, like, doesn't matter what you say, it's going to be a bad answer for you. So once again, we see this strange question asked of Jesus, and let's look at it in chapter 12. One of the scribes came up, verse 28. One of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another. And seeing that he answered them well, I love that. The scribes saw that Jesus answered the other scribes well. He said, which commandment is the most important of all? And Jesus answered, the most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. Verse 31, and the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said to him, you're right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one and there is no other beside him. And to love him with all your heart and with all understanding and with all the strength and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than the whole burnt offerings and the sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far off from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared ask him any more questions. See, this is a passage that we've probably all heard a few times. We've we've got the great great commandment kind of locked into our Sunday school DNA. We we, we understand this from felt board days, the greatest commandment. We we can recite it, but do we really understand it? And this morning, I feel like this passage here... There's a lot of different messages that I could preach. There's a lot of different areas that I could pinpoint. And I really feel like that would be kind of unjust to what's happening here. Part one of what I want to point out is the idea of loving God. What does this look like? Hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. Hero Israel, the Lord our God is one. Now, what this is, Jesus is not making this phrase up on his own. He's not just saying, hey, here's a great idea. Hero Israel, the Lord our God is one. What is that? This is in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. This is what's called the Shema. And what it is is a phrase that they had to remember and keep dear to their hearts. That there is one God. There's not many gods. There's not all these little tiny gods. There's one God. He's one God. See, there's no fertility God. There's no moon God. There's no God of rain. There's no God of war. There's, the Egyptians even had a God of beer. I'm not making that up. There was a God of beer. So 
In Deuteronomy, Israel's saying, no, look, here, O Israel, there is one God. He is one God. They had to remember this. And, and I'll, I'll read that passage in a minute. They had to remember this. There's no other gods. There's no second gods. There's no partial gods. There's no God of this and God of that. Now, today, I don't think a lot of us are, like, bowing down. I mean, some people are bowing down to the God of beer. Um, sometimes. But... We don't literally believe like in all these gods, but kind of we do. We kind of make up these own superstitious way of living. We kind of like, you know, the black cat. Like, we, oh, we see a black cat. That's a bad day. Don't walk under a ladder. I mean, to me, it's kind of just silly to walk under a ladder. Why would you? But so for some people, it's like superstitious. But like, we kind of, you know, the, you ever hear the throwing salt thing? Throw salt over your shoulder, you spill the salt. What, what is that? That's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. I spill salt all the time. My life's pretty good. Pretty good. I don't throw salt behind me. That just makes more of a mess. And then I got to vacuum it. That sounds like more of a disaster than if I just ignore it and let my wife vacuum it. Kidding. <laughs> there, what we do, though, we see commercials for this all the time. We all, last night was playoffs for football. I like the Dolphins, number one. I'm a little weird this way. I have my AFC team, number one. The Dolphins, we haven't done anything since I've been born. Literally, the last time they were in the Super Bowl was the year that I was born. So I don't know if it's me or them. The other side, I've always pulled for the Seahawks. Now we're great. They're, they're awesome. So I have these two different teams. And we all kind of do this thing where we know if I wear this certain shirt, you know what I'm talking about? It's a better shirt. I've realized if I wear my Dolphins hat, it doesn't work. I take that thing off. They lose every time. But that's, the truth is, that's not real. There is no God of football. But yet we all have these little patterns in our life that like, if I do this this way, it's going to be a better day. You know what I'm talking about? We kind of live by this natural, like, we don't really have these gods of war or gods of fertility. But we kind of make up these, you know, grandmother's recipes for, like, you know, healthier living. And we eat weird things, you know, because it's healthier. I'm thankful that apparently right now kale is a big thing. I'm thankful that my wife made it the other day, and it was, it was pretty tasty. I've also had kale, and it's disgusting. So, like, but we all do these things that, like, are the new way of better living, the new healthier thing, the new, like, little ritual that we have. We kind of, and I'm being silly here, but we kind of do make up these little mini-gods of, like, how life should work or what I should do to make a better life for myself. We have these little beliefs that sneak up into our way of thinking as if there's some kind of cosmic force that if I don't wear this Dolphins hat, then the gods of football will somehow let them score a touchdown. That's ridiculous. And in Israel, there were idols everywhere. And they had to remind themselves daily, there is one God. Here, O Israel, the Lord is one. There is one God. See, we, we tend to build these systems to make, somehow make the gods happy, to make the cosmic forces happy. And that's, that's ridiculous. There's one God, and he wants, I love the next thing. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. They're saying there's one God, and he loves to be loved. He is love. He loves love. He's an awesome God. Remember him. Deuteronomy, i got to find the right page of my notes. Here it is, the first page. Deuteronomy 
It says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise. When You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, you shall... And they, and they shall be the frontlets between your eyes. That you shall write them on the doorpost and on your house and on your gates. Have you ever seen the people with the box? That's to remember the Shema. Keep it between your eyes. They're keeping it everywhere. They're literally writing it on things. And the reason for that is so that they're constantly reminded that there's one God who loves us and we need to love him with everything. Do not forget to love me. That's what he's saying. Don't forget to love me. Don't forget my presence. Don't forget what I've done. Don't forget how much I've loved you. Write it everywhere so you remember because people forget a lot. Don't forget your love for me. Keep me with you always, everywhere you go. Teach my love to every generation. When you walk around, when you lie down, talk about how much you love me and how much I've loved you. There's one God and I love you. That's that's. That's what he's saying. This should be your life. This should be the way you live. And to, if you kind of look at it from like a, a strange perspective, you're like, this is kind of selfish of God to be like, you know, you want us to walk around constantly saying, remember God. That's, you know, remember my love for you. I, um, I do this with my girls all the time. I have two girls, if you didn't see them up here this morning. And for... They kind, we kind of started this thing with, with Ashley's dad, like, whose girl are you? And they, they know if they say Pappy's girl, they get candy and presents at Christmas time. But I'm, I'm in this fight for that. Like, I want them to say Daddy's girl because like, they're my girls, so they got to say my, my name. And so I'm constantly reminding, especially Faith, I ask her all the time. Haley has learned to say, just to say, I'm your girl, but don't tell Pappy. Like, she's learned the trick. She's learned. She's like, Shh, let's keep this a secret between you and I. I'm always your girl. I love you. I love Pappy. I'm his girl too, but we'll just we'll just keep it our, our thing. Faith, though, on the other hand, she refuses to give in that she's my girl. She'll say that she said, I love you, but I'm Pappy's girl. And, like, she'll literally, I love this. Faith is a hugger. Faith is, she's like me. She, she loves hugging. And she'll come up and she'll give me a hug and she'll go, oh, I love you so much. I'll never not love you. I'm like, that's awesome to me. She'll, 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 she'll literally say, I'm going to love you forever. And I'll be like, I hope so. Please love me forever. <laughs> but I recognize that there's going to be a day when some jerk, I mean some man, <laughs> when some man walks into their life and the God's design is for them to love their husbands kind of more than they love me. Hopefully not, but probably more than they love me. They're supposed to leave and cleave. <laughs> they go live with their husbands. They cleave to him. They stay with him. They love him. That's God's design for, for families. But it's not God's design for us to forget him, the creator. I'm not the creator. I am their father, but he's the ultimate creator. It's never God's design for faith to say, I don't love God anymore. My kids, it's funny, because they're learning things. They're learning what God is in Christianity. And they've kind of built this love of God into a big competition. Like, God's the number one. Ha-ha. Like, I love God the most. Ha-ha. Like, that's good. I hope you always do. 
Because that is God's design. It's sin's design to separate that. So when he says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one, love him with everything, it's a reminder because sin gets in there and tries to make us think, there's other things that are my gods right now. There's other ways of living. There's other things that I need to appease, other cosmic forces at work that i got to somehow make amends with. There's other things that desire my attention, that desire my heart and my soul and my strength and my mind. He's saying, that's not the way it's supposed to be. You should always know my love for you. So that's part one. Our love for God should always be number one. Verse 31, the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Loving others. This one can be... um, one that we can easily pat ourselves in the back for, feel like we do well at. And for others, we're just like, eh, I, I'm not very good at that. But it's funny because we can also confuse doing things for other people for loving people better. Or, or we do them for the wrong reasons. We do things for reward, uh, not because of love. We serve sometimes out of reward or out of self-righteousness or out of feeling better, not because we generally love somebody else. We're interested in their well-being. Um, I remember, I've, I've talked about this story before, but uh, our first Valentine's Day, at Ashley and I, when we were dating, um, I didn't have a whole lot of money. She's, she saved up pretty good because she was working hard uh, at a, as a waitress. And I remember our first Valentine's Day, I got her, I don't even remember what I got her. And she probably doesn't either because it was junk, I'm sure. <laughs> um, actually, our first Valentine's Day, this is, a, this is a great first Valentine's Day date. We went to medieval times. Oh, yeah. And we ate food with our hands. And we went to the, they had like a special Valentine's Day package where she got a rose and a cup. And we went to the Chamber of Torture, which was ridiculous for Valentine's Day. So we walked through, we saw medieval jousting, ate with our hands, and walked through uh, this Chamber of Torture with all these torture devices. It was romantic. <laughs> but so we did that. But I remember the first Valentine's Day gift that she gave me. I got her something. It might have cost like $50 or something. I don't know. It wasn't that big of a gift. It was something okay. For, was, we would only been together for like five, six months. I don't know. And so I give her a gift. I'm like, oh, yeah. She gives me this gift. I open it up, and inside of it is, was this watch, the Citizen Echo Drive watch. I still have it to this day. It's not the one I'm wearing right now because I don't want to scratch that one up. Honestly, that's why. I'm going to give it to my grandkids one day. But she bought me this watch, and I'll never forget what I did. She was so happy that she had spent so much money for this gift. And I was angry, actually. My reaction wasn't joy. It was, why did you get this? This is, well, this is too much. Because I was thinking, our love should, for, I should outdo her with love. It was a competition all of a sudden. Like, it was some kind of thing to make me feel better that she gave me a nicer gift. Like, or make me, made me feel worse. And she instantly started to cry. And I start backpedaling hard. Like, oh, no, I love it. It's the greatest thing ever. Let's put it on. Let's go out in town walking around with it. Like, like I started back. See, that, that right there is how sometimes we, we navigate our generosity and our love for others. Like, as long as I'm doing this, I look good. As long as we're on equal terms, if I give to the poor, if I feed at the homeless shelter, if I, but then I forget about my wife at home, I forget about my family, I, for, I don't really care about the homeless person I'm feeding, I'm just 
slopping the food on their plate. There's a difference, and I wonder sometimes how do we, do we really, really love and care for others as, as we care for ourselves, as we love ourselves? The third thing, well, I want to say one more thing about that. We, you and I, we've talked about this before, we tend to have higher judgments for other people than we do for ourselves. We, we know it's true. We've heard, we've talked about this before. You know, you cut somebody off, my bad. They cut you off and they're, you're angry. They're the worst person ever to live in this city. It's just how we are. We, we're quick to judge other people and quick to vindicate ourselves. This is, this is how we are. This is how we are as society. We are quick to like, I hate that guy. That quarterback's the worst ever. Get him out of... We, we, we find these villains and we put all this aggression to. The truth is, he needs a savior. I need a savior. We all need Jesus. God gave himself up on the cross for Tom Brady. Like it or not, he did. Bears fans, Packer fans. Bears fans. Christ doesn't care about your sport teams. He cares about the person. And what we do is we build up this hatred. And I, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying I don't do this because, believe me, I have my hierarchy of teams. I have my – Haley learned last night who were my bottom three teams. She's learned that we do not like these teams. Hate's a strong word. I, I, I pray for their soul, but I also pray that the teams self-destruct somehow. Like, I, I get this. But we've got to learn, like – if, if my least favorite quarterback or least favorite player or my least favorite person at work, if they walk into the room, in my heart, can I help lead them to Christ? Can I give them the answer? Can I love them unconditionally the way Christ loved me when I was broken and depraved and sinful and in my own filth? Can I love them? Can I love them? Part three, loving yourself. Some of us are really good at loving God. Some of us are really good at showing love to others. Some of us are good at loving ourselves, but we, we forget others and we forget about God. We, we, we kind of live in these different worlds depending on who you are. You're, you're better at one than the other. But some of us need to learn how to love ourselves. Some of us need to learn what it is to really love yourself so that you can love God and so you can love others better. You can truly love God when you know how much he loves you. Because until you see the depths of his grace, the depths of his love, until you love yourself the way he does, you won't fully appreciate him. You won't fully worship him. So when I get excited in worship, it's because God's giving me glimpses of my brokenness and my need for a savior and his great love that gave me a savior. That's when I'm able to love him with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind. Because I see his love for me. And when I see his love for me and how, how I came out of brokenness and how I still sometimes walk in brokenness, I'm able to love the person that just really made me mad. We can't do one of these things without the other. We can't really love our neighbor unless we really love God. And I can't really love God unless I truly love myself if I see and value myself the way that he values me. You might internally hate yourself for the things that you've done. You might 
feel guilty for your past thoughts, your past actions, your present, your present thoughts, your present actions. You might feel really the weight of those things. So you have a hard time justifying yourself or loving yourself. You can say, God, I know that you love me and you've saved me, but I can't get past this. I can't get over this. So I'll, so I'll, I'll love other people because they deserve it, but somehow I just don't deserve it. I recently had that conversation with somebody. They're like, I don't deserve it. I deserve hell. And I said, yeah, so do I. So do I. You and I, any sin that we have is reason enough to separate us from a perfect, loving God. But instead, he has poured himself out. So until we can get that and truly get past our hurts, past our brokenness, past our insecurities, whatever, the names people have called you, the things that you have done, whatever it is, until we can truly value ourselves, we won't value others. We will not value them the way God has designed us to value them. I don't think Adam walked around before the fall thinking, Eve's way better of a person than I am. I'm just not that good. I'm not man enough. He was the only man. That was kind of a joke. He, those thoughts didn't steep into his mind until after the fall, after the lie of sin, the curse of sin. And so what we do is sometimes we still say, God, I know you're, you've forgiven me, but I'm not good. I don't really, ooh, I can't, uh, nothing good should happen to me. It should happen to all my friends. No, good things should happen to you because Christ happened to you. Good things should happen to me because Christ happened to me. We cannot live in this world where our standards for our own self-love and perfection are better than his standards. His standards were met at the cross, and ours should be too. You can't find a loophole in his grace for yourself. You just can't. You can't. We've got to stop looking for loopholes. Jesus went through the cross for you. That's why this morning when I was talking... We've got to make this thing personal. Communion is not a symbol. It's a personal thing of his body broken on my behalf, on your behalf. It has to be personal so that I can really understand what he's done. And then if you want to add a part four to this message, um, verse 32, let's read this. And the scribes said to him, teacher, you are right. You have truly said that he is one and there is no one beside him. And to love him with all your heart and with all your understanding and with all the strength. And to love one's neighbor as oneself in much more, is much more than all the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said, you are not, too, not far from the kingdom of God. This scribe, I, lo- I love this scribe. This is the, the one scribe that I can say I really love. Because scribes are always kind of just, they're full of it, and they're just a mess. Jesus looks at him and says, you're not far off. Because he said, he said, you answered right. And all the things, love, basically what he says is loving God and loving each other is better than my offerings, better than my sacrifices. And the rest of the scribes, the rest of the Pharisees, they didn't get that. It was all about ritual performance. See, the truth is, let me say this this morning, your love for God, your love for others, is way, way, way more valuable than you coming to church on a Sunday morning, putting an offering in a plate or a bag as we have, little Robin Hood bags, it's nice. We were joking this week that Martin uses the, the wooden end of the bag to poke people to give more money. It's not, it's not true, it doesn't happen. But you're joking with him. 
your love for God is way more. And this Pharisee, this scribe, he wasn't a Pharisee, he was a scribe, was able to see that, that all these things that I've built up, all the laws that we've, we've put together, don't, all the offerings that we perform, they don't mean anything without that, without those things. It was, it was more important than his religious system or keeping power or trying to control anybody. It was more important than his heritage or his upbringing. And I love that Jesus says, you are not far from the kingdom of God. See, this is the heart of the kingdom. This is the heart of God's kingdom. This is what it looks like to love him and to love others and to love ourselves. This is what his kingdom is. So many Christians, we can say our religious prayers, we can, we can do our performances, we can do our offerings, whatever they look like, but we never value God above everything else. I, I was wondering this morning as we're singing it, I felt like Kenny went a long time in Be Lifted High. We were singing that song for a while, and I was loving it, and here's the reason why. Because I felt like God was saying, we're singing, lifting him high above everything else, but half of us are probably thinking, okay, let's move to the next song, because this makes me a little uncomfortable, and singing the same lines over and over again. Can I truly say, God, I don't care about my comfortability. I don't care about my, my time constraints. And just say, be lifted high. I, just, I, I adore you. You're above everything else. Can I do that? So I, was, I actually was getting ready to come up and tell Kenny to keep going, but he, he stopped it because he's, he's a good worship leader. and He just wasn't in tune with the spirit this morning. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> um. But do, do we really value him above everything else? That's the kingdom, loving God. I love that he says, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things. It's when you seek him, when you seek what he's doing, everything else is good. Everything else, the desires of your heart, they line up with his kingdom. And so you'll get those desires. I love it. So many of us, we could say our religious prayers, but never show love or kindness to those around us. We're too busy protecting ourselves or staying religious. You guys remember the church lady back on Saturday Night Live back in the day? Just can say the prayers, can do the holy thing, but there's no love. There's nothing there. There's no substance. And this scribe was, was not that guy anymore. He said, what you're saying is more important than my offerings and my tradition. It's more important. I love that scripture says that you'll know them. You know that there are Christians by their love. We are supposed to be known by our love. And unfortunately, in today's society, somehow we've been, we've, we've demonstrated ourselves, and we've also been portrayed as people of anything but love and generosity and humility and patience and love. We haven't been portrayed as that, and we need to learn to, to represent ourselves by our love doesn't mean we allow sin. Sin doesn't allow, if you love somebody, you're not going to allow them to be sick. You try to fix it. You try to help it. But you do it in love. There's a difference. This morning, I hope that you're able to, one, love yourself the way God loves you. I hope you're able to recognize that the price he paid was for you. You need to learn to place a value on yourself. You just do. Some people will do that way more easier than others, and some people you're like, back down. You value yourself a little too highly. But for a good bit of us, we can kind of view ourselves as lesser then. And I would encourage you to get past your brokenness, get past the hurts, recognize that his love 
sees you in spite of those things. It goes beyond those things. And some of us need to love others, give ourselves for others, stop trying to figure out what we can get when we give. As as if everything's on a reward system. And some of us, like Israel, needed to remind themselves daily there's one God we should love him with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all our strength, all our mind. We should, we should love him. I encourage you, remind yourself of this, the greatest commandment. He Basically, what Jesus did in that moment is he said, these two things are better than those ten commandments that I gave Moses. These mean more than those ten things. I'm choosing this over all the other things. And by doing that, look, look at the ten commandments. They're all summed up in those things. I'm not going to kill somebody if I love them. I'm not going to covet if I love them. I'm not going to lie if I love them. I'm not going to serve other idols if I love God first. All the Ten Commandments are summed up in those things. That's the kingdom of God. That's what church should look like. That's what I should look like. I'm excited because I believe that God's created and, and predestined and orchestrated his church to do that. We just sometimes need to recognize what we're capable of and do it. You need to recognize the you that God sees. You need to recognize the giftings, the abilities, the potential that God has put in your heart. Stop doubting yourself. Stop viewing yourself as something less than. View yourself as what he sees you. Because then we'll be the kingdom. Then we'll actually be the kingdom here on the earth.